Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week I am joined by Dan Lambert. Dan, welcome back. How are we? Thank you. Uh, good, thank you. Not good. Good. Um, better now, I guess. We've had a couple of games of Marty Ball to sort of remind us what good football's like, or not. Who knows? Yeah, no, no, I'd say, yeah. But then, like, amongst, like, for example, when I'm, like, celebrate a QPR result or something, that's not, not hard to come by. But when you put something in your mate's group chat and stuff and they say, yeah, well, it's against Rotherham and Bristol City, and I'm thinking, you lot support Prem clubs. Like, you don't know how <laughs> You know what I mean, it, you, you, they have not been where we've been, so they cannot. No, no, they well, some one one might have, but uh, most of them are top six fans, so yeah, they, they don't really know how we feel. Yeah, so uh, yeah, QPR followed up uh, a one all draw against Rotherham with a nil nil against Bristol City in Sifuentes' first game at Loftus Road. Um, I thought a pretty good atmosphere throughout the game. Very smartly, I thought, as well. Marty got his uh, round of applause and lap of the pitch in before the game. You know, that's uh, thinking outside of the box, definitely. Uh, and try, you know, getting your fat hands on the side before you go and cock it up, perhaps. Um, but not to happen in the actual game. But, uh, I don't know, maybe some positive signs being shown? Yeah, no, I'd say so. Um to be fair, I think on the uh, the applause thing, like, we could probably lose 2 3 0 and still get an applause because we were in dire shit before that. Um, but no, no, I mean, it's it's quite interesting how what we've had two games, one of them was a couple of days before he, like, a couple of days after he joined, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, he's had just under two weeks training of less. Um, and you can kind of already see what he wants to do. I mean, it's not. It's not perfect by any means, but you know he's got us playing up from the back. Um, we're actually pressing from the from the front. Um, I think there was a few moments where I think Powell in the first half where we had a high turnover and could have created a, a decent chance from that. So it looks different, and even set pieces. I had a um, quick look at a few of the set pieces, and they look different as well. So no, he's kind of put his stamp on it quickly, which is a it's a positive thing. And now that we have got the international break, I guess that. We can kind of, it's just more repetition, really. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the team news then, because while you mentioned they're mate putting his own stamp on things, there's very much kind of like a reversal of what we saw against Rotherham team selection wise. Some forced, some not so forced. Um, uh, and, you know, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that. But Kakai comes in uh, for Reggie Cannon, Dazelle and Colback uh, come back. Uh, because chair is suspended and then Dixon Bonner drops to the bench. Uh, and then the front three, three is as it was uh, with Willock starting there as well. Um, th- there's always, you know, you always look for a new manager bounce. And my dad always says that QPR don't get new manager bounces. So I guess two draws might count as a bounce at QPR. But one of the, I think one of the key things out of that Rotherham game that got people maybe a little bit more optimistic as well, um, and I, I mean this very sincerely, was cutting Dixon Bonner's performance. It's a player that we haven't really seen before. Okay, now look, you, you laugh and you smile, but got the Dixon Bonner fan club, bro. Uh, you know what? You've got to click. You got to. You've got to put your put your. <laughs> Can't see that. I'm too excited. 
Oh, the ceiling's just so high, mate. It, but, you know, when you haven't seen a player at all, it's different to Richards because Dixon Bonner looks like he could definitely play at this level quite consistently. Richards, I'm sure, like you will say, there is talent there, but there's kind of like an absent-mindedness as well where he's not quite as sharp as some of the other players and he does kind of get caught out. But Dixon Bonner had a pretty decent game against Rotherham. I was pretty gutted not to see him start the game. I, I you, you know, it's kind of back to the square one of that same midfield three, which a couple of weeks ago we would have said would have been our best midfield. But with that performance at Rotherham kind of added into the mix, would have thought it would have been only fair to give him another start at least, maybe not a full 90, but at least another start. Yeah, so what? So Colback, Colback came in as well as Dizel. Chair, Chair and Cannon were forced, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I thought I didn't really have any issues. I I'd only caught the, I only watched the first half of the Rotherham game. I mean, he looked tidy at uh, Dixon Bonner, but I couldn't really comment from the second half. Mm. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess did he want some more security? Um. I think the thing the thing that I noticed between the Rotherham and the Bristol City game was the fullbacks. Uh, Rotherham game, the fullbacks looked like they wanted to come more into midfield, and this game just gone. It looked like they were making more underlapping, overlapping runs. And I guess if you've got that kind of attacking balance, you've got that attacking balance either side and the uh, from the flanks, probably want the security through the middle because otherwise, just we're going to be countered on all the time. So I guess from that sense, it might have been. Because you what you had Willock and Dixon Bonner kind of more advanced players. I mean, we don't really know what Dixon Bonner is yet, but um yeah, I guess I'm I'm assuming it'd probably be for security reasons, but um yeah, I you could have put him in there. I don't think I don't think that's much between what him and Dazelle, probably. Um interesting yeah. you say him and Dazelle, because I think Dazelle's probably been across the whole season a pretty good performer, which is rare for him. Um Colback the last couple of weeks, I felt at times has been quite lax, lax and sort of relaxed in, in concentration, um, getting caught out a few times. And then also like at the start of the game as well, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but he absolutely wipes someone out. Like It is a shocking ch- tackle. Oh, kind of yeah. Like, I've seen it, yeah. It's not... It is different to the one that he got sent off for against Sunderland. I think it was something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. It, it is different, but it's not too far away. And on another day, you know, if Bristol City surround the referee, you, you know, if you do that, say to Preston, for example, there's going to be at least like five very ratty footballers in the referee's face demanding he gets sent off or Sunderland for that, for that matter of fact as well. You know, they, they, they would all do it. I'm not saying it is a red card, you can't keep just sort of like in the early sort of exchanges of a game, just keep on taking players out just because I don't know whether you're kind of like just behind the pace a little bit, just because he wants to, to make himself feel better. As Roy Keane once said, I don't know (laughs) what the reason is, but like you just can't keep doing it. And I just feel like it's someone who's meant to be so experienced and on paper when we signed him at the start of the season, I was delighted. I thought he's a pretty good championship midfielder he would improve us and he has in some games where he has scored improved us 
However, recently, I just wonder whether hit do you need to play him and Dazelle? Him and Dazelle, what? What him, Dazelle, and Field as a three? Because it'd be a three now more than a. Yeah. Like, I, think... I, I just wonder, Dixon Bonnet. I mean, Micah compared him to uh, Luke Amos quite recently. Of that. Oh, fun... I, think I heard that. I think Bill said that, didn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd... I don't know. I just, I don't think it's going to be like one or the other. I think he's going to use his squad. I just think it depends on how he kind of uses the fullbacks or uses other parts of the team. Because can we re- as much as we need goals in the team, can we really afford to to kind of leave Sam Field at that point where he's got to do all the dirty work again? I, I don't know. I think it's got to be a collective thing. And I think with now we're being a bit more aggressive on the um, out of possession as well. I think we could probably do with. I don't know a, a call back that can is probably more likely to win a win a ball back than than maybe a Dizel. I don't know. I'll, it'd be it'd be interesting to see kind of like the, the the pattern of like what his midfield looks like over the next like four or five games because then we might get a bit a better feel of who he kind of prefers and what what the balance is. And what you're saying about the uh, fullbacks inverting, uh, obviously we know Powell's comfortable in that. Do you reckon there'd be any sort of argument to be made that? that wasn't the plan necessarily for this game because he was starting Kakai instead of Cannon? Potentially, potentially. Um, yeah, possibly because Cannon looked a bit more comfortable, but um, I don't know. I think it might also be tailored to the opposition depending on how they how they play as well. I think, yeah, I, it could be that. It could be that, but you'd think that Sifuentes would be comfortable in kind of like coaching the players into into those positions rather than kind of changing it for the sake of personnel but we'll see won't we i mean it's still early doors isn't it so yeah exactly i I thought kakai had a pretty decent game you know he's actually quietly going becoming quite a capable defender i'd say at this level i'm not sure you would kind of like start him week in week out still and sort of hang your hat on him to be your number one right back having said that you know like there's a couple you know there was see games in seasons gone past where he was really under pressure from certain aspects of the fan base you know people were really critical of him i think people called him bambi on ice at one point you know like he he doesn't seem to have that anymore and just i guess is it that that just experience you know he's he's not a young young player anymore he's probably one of the more experienced players in the team i will look it up now but we'll take, both take a guess. I think he's 25. Five. Oh, I was going to say 25 as well. Um, although I think he could be 26. I don't know what he is. But um, yeah, no, I get I get your point. Um, yeah, I think I see him more as a backup, just like mid to long term, if he, is, if he is to be there. I think it'll be interesting because, like we say, if Sifuentes wants to... Um, Kind of change the full night uh, fullback dynamic a bit more. That could be one of the areas he looks at down the right because we haven't really, until Cannon's come in, we haven't really had that consistent uh, first team quality right back um, mm-hmm. for, for for what seems forever. I mean, we had Laird for half a season where he's good, but yeah, we that might be an area. I think obviously centre backs might be an area as well, but yeah, I think that kind of first phase. Might be something he'll try and stamp down as quick as possible because that's kind of the, the the foundations to his uh his philosophy of star. Yeah, uh, so Kakai is twenty six. You're right. Twenty six. Uh, he's played 
105 times for QPR. Yeah, he's played quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's been a he's been fairly consistent, hasn't he? Um, like not not good, like not a good consistent, but like a kind of six out of ten, six and a half out of ten, probably for <clears throat> most, of his, most of his time. So we'd have said this before, but it's kind of like to his detriment anytime he gets forward in a set. Yeah, like, apart from that one cross he put in for Dykes. Yeah, that like, header against Reading. Yeah, you know, yeah, don't that. necessarily see that from him too often. And there's one particular moment that stands out for me where he was completely free down the right. I think there was sort of like a bouncing ball kind of situation and he decided to take it on first time and right. it just went so far askew. But he could have taken a touch. I mean, this is another thing as well. If he had a bit more, it's so critical because he's, you know, I'm not playing championship level football. I'm watching it from the stands. So like anyone out there is obviously much better than me. But what he should have done uh <laughs> It's he had that time if he was a bit more aware of it, and that's the difference, isn't it, between the good players and the average players? Is the good players realize when they've got the time, take the touch, look up, and pick out the right pass or cross. Whereas he got into that space, I don't want to say panicked, but yeah. tried something yeah, I difficult. Think, I think some of it looks like he panics, though. Yeah. I think it also depends on the manager, though. I think I'd probably say his probably best time attack going forward was probably under Wolverton just because of the fact that I mean this is going off like not much not much memory but um just because of the fact that we created chances from a better position like we weren't relying on deep crosses or you know cr- like down the right hand side that this season it hasn't been consistent with Kaka and, and Smith um in terms of crossing so I think when you've got your full back in those kind of cutback areas and areas where they're not forced to to kind of play a 18 yard 20 yard cross into the box and find one person um it, it can be a lot easier for them so i think also stylistically that kind of kind of hasn't has hindered him a little bit i think yeah uh, it's also worth noting that in that situation i was talking about i don't think that there was anyone else in the box apart from uh, armstrong which is another thing that, and, that i would surprise. no it doesn't surprise anyone i don't think but that is another criticism I would have of the midfield three as it is. Yeah, there's not no. enough there's not there's no late runs into the box from any of them. No, no. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think there were more runs from the fullbacks um on Saturday. Um even even the wingers to be fair. But yeah, we need we need I don't think I think the only game I can remember of, of late the way we have runners into the box was Ainsworth uh, Ainsworth's first game at home to Blackburn where Tim scored that goal. Yeah, I think we had three, four runners into the box, and you thought, "All right, this could be the time." And then slowly, slowly, game by game, it got worse. Yeah, that just it doesn't doesn't seem to happen at QPR. I remember you pointing it out uh, in our preview of the Everton Cup match, like whenever that was years ago. Remember you mentioning Decore? Yeah, he's kind of that example where that box to box player, you know, that typical one that can time his runs. I'm trying to think of other examples, but. You know, Dixon Bonner could be that player. Yeah, yeah. But is that another one of his other roles that uh, he can try it out? He should just try them all out. Yeah, why not? I, 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 I still think like because Field is kind of getting a bit further forward occasionally, isn't he? He's got that kind of physical presence. I was getting worried, though, doesn't it? I don't know if you just me, but I, I don't know. It sometimes I think there was a moment where Willock Willock tries to take two defenders on played it back to field, 
And then a normal a normal player like Dizel or someone would play like a one touch pass and move the ball quickly to kind of you know bring uh try and attack that other side of the team. But he just he takes he takes forever in his his touch and stuff. You know my thoughts on yeah, the field no, no. in in like the in his passing at, at the most in his like final third it's just not good enough. No. But in terms of like finding someone from across, if our wingers could ever do that, um, Fields kind of got that. He's that little bit taller, I'd imagine, than Dazelle and Colback. He's got yeah, that physical yeah. presence where if he kind of headed into the right direction, he could literally head it <laughs> into the back yeah. of the net. Well, you know, his first goal on his debut was against Brentford, and he scored. Yeah. In. That, yeah. that was a that was that type of goal. And then I don't think we've seen it since. No, not really. I think he he scored against Wigan, didn't he? Mick Beale's last home win, perhaps. It that was a. I remember the game. Corner. I don't remember who scored. I think it was Balogun and Field. Oh yeah, it might have been because he scored Burnley. He scored against away at Burnley in the corner as well. Yeah, uh, that's right. He just celebrated like he'd never seen it going off. Like well, yeah, was... it's, it, I remember saying at the time, it's, it's it's brilliant because he doesn't know where to celebrate, does he? Like, <laughs> but then Chris Martin straight away after he scores, he knows where the fans are and he's straight over to them. <laughs> Fields oh, running yeah. around like a madman. Um, I, I would say in in on the whole first half, I wasn't particularly enamoured with the performance. Second half was a lot better. Uh, and the key to that was Paul Smith, in my opinion. I know on the highlights reel, there isn't much from him, but he absolutely cooked his marker. He Not only did he cook him, he perfectly seasoned him as well. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like He, he got scythed down once, I think. And I think Clive mentions it in his kind of like, right up of the game that one Smith like absolutely cooks him, gets the guy booked, and then we make a sub when Smith's knackered, but we don't have anyone sort of like of that speed going down that wing after yeah. that point. Yeah, I know. I think did Armstrong get moved on to the left or am I no. no Armstrong played through the middle. Yeah, oh no, it was the moment it was the transition it was the the build up for the penalty call where he was down the left one mm. view. Um but yeah, no, I think Smith I think Smith could work with his system just because if the fullbacks come inside, the wingers are isolated, you know, one v one pace. I think obviously final ball there's there's work and I think he can improve, but um I think for the most part he'll get joy up against his uh his fullback on any given day if he's kind of isolated one v one. Yeah. Uh pace enough to sort of like get past you because that that's what that's always something that I felt like you can be tricky at this level and and be good, but then I just think at times you can just be quick, you know, put quick and you yeah. will probably excel at this level because it's not, it just will happen. Uh, but like you said, the final ball into the box again from Smith, unfortunately, isn't quite good enough. And that's not just singling him out. That goes for everyone oh, yeah. that was putting balls in. I, I don't think Powell and Willock had a bet, great day of deliveries from the from the left. Uh I don't think Dykes had a brilliant game in the middle either, but it's sort of like this <clears throat> it's like a snake eating itself, you know? You, you, you can say the center forward shit, but when the balls into the box are also shit, like it's sort of like it, it, 
we're, we're not going to get anywhere. One of them has got to improve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think the... I mean, I'm not one for looking at a single XG all the time, but I don't think our XG was great on Saturday. No, not 0.36 from seven shots. Um, yeah, so that's that's something that needs to come. I think it will come with time, and I think it will come with style. Like, it doesn't just have to be from in possession. I think the fact that we're pressing high and stuff like that, we can kind of create chances through that as well. So I think it will improve, but I think it, it just takes time. I know... I know it's a kind of a cliche and it's boring to say and fans don't want to hear it because they want they want instant results, but we're going from two completely different styles. Um, it's going to take time regardless. I think people just need to be a bit patient. The, the, the one positive from that, though, is that this style that we're going to be playing now is something that actually seems to interest the players as opposed yeah. to what they were playing under Ainsworth. Fans as well. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think you've seen that with like the automatic change so quickly like you, you've you always knew that that change was coming and you weren't quite sure how quickly it was gonna sort of get applied I guess but yeah. there was there's signs already fairly obvious ones you know we're moving towards a more positive direction oh, and definitely. that and to use an Ainsworth word that's all about buying and like there's yeah, no oh, no no buying buying counts whatever coach you are I think I think, I mean, I've been banging this drum for years like about certain coaches and, you know, like I think he's that, that without comparing them, he's that core brand mould in the sense that they're both Spanish, obviously. But I think there's something about uh, Spanish coaches and they're like level for detail, if that makes sense. And I think, I think genuinely a better coach can improve things. And I'm, I'm not like banging um, on Ainsworth at all or bashing him or whatever. I, I don't think he's, he was the right coach for us or whatever, but I think like five ten percent of what Marty could do could just change us quite a bit, um, and I think that we will have that level of detail because he seems he seems quite intricate in the way he wants to play and wants things done and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but just to mention about the the kind of like attacking output, seven shots from us, none of them were on target. Um, compared... wasn't it? The I, th- I thought it was, but I think BBC said we had zero on target, unless I read the stats wrong. Oh, hang on. So, um, it's, there was four four of the seven off target, according to Footmob. I'll, I'll go with yours then. It's just got a shot map, so it's just the, it's just something I've... Um... Yes, it says zero on target, but you you, may, you raise a good point. Uh, I yeah, actually thought... I think I... Um, bash us about the Peter Cech, Peter Cech thing the other day you put in the group. about the hockey Oh, yeah. Group. Yeah, so they don't like us. As it yeah, is. well, you know, we on our generation on there are friends at the BBC of the BBC, Dan. <laughs> uh, keep them. You want to keep them sweet. Uh, so you mentioned uh, pressing from us. Uh, I, I think that to his credit, Colback was involved in some of the kind of the pressing, and you know what? I don't think. I don't think it would be our strongest feature, but I think we certainly got some players that can, you know, work in a sort of in a smart pressing structure. I know he gets criticism, but Dykes does kind of like run on forever. So like, if it's all kind of strategic in a sense, 
th that will work at some point. And I think it you saw a few signs of that working. Add Chair into the mix, and you've obviously got that massive oh, no. boost of cre creativity. But he's also another one that can run for days and days. Yeah, I mean, Willett did his part, in fairness. Um, but no, I'd agree. I think what Smith, Dykes, Chair, Colback on their day, that's a decent decent aggressive press and then you've got what field behind that can cover spaces and, and Dezel or whoever whoever else is playing so I think it will work I just think the interesting thing would be I think watching back the the distances were good but then it's how high high the you want the line because your centre-backs is Steve Cook and Jimmy Dunn and yeah without they're good at what they're good at and but they have weaknesses as well and mobility is probably more so Dunn's I think Cook surprised me in the sense that he can cover, he can cover spaces to a decent ab ability. But um, yeah, that's going to be interesting as well as in possession because those two aren't centre backs you associate with playing out from the back and holding a high line at the same time. So um, it's going to have its teething problems because this isn't his squad. But I think I think it looks it looks good. Yeah, so I mean, Cook is an interesting one because me and Mike were saying last week like he's not. He can't be terrible at this sort of style of play because he played for a pretty decent Bournemouth side for quite a while. And I'm not saying like it's exactly the same, but Bournemouth weren't sort of like negative football. And, you know, Cook's played at the in the Premier League as well. So he's not going to be absolutely atrocious at it. No. I think it's the kind of age might catch up a little bit. And in that sense, um, but you, you don't I, I did think there was times in the first half where we had the ball very deep in our third uh, sort of our th final third and Dunn and Cook and Begovic were the ones predominantly on the ball. Yeah. At that yeah, point I, I was wondering where's the kind of like just that little bit of cutting edge to get it forward. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean you said about baiting the press. I had a quick look. There was there's slight moments. I don't think it's gonna be like it's not going to be extreme Deserby levels where we're kind of forcing it back. I mean, it was forced yeah. back at times because uh, the difference was we were move, kind of moving the ball before the opposition kind of moved themselves. So probably it's not that. It's not going to be that extreme level, but I know what you mean because Begovic, the, the three, the keeper and the two centre-backs will have most of the possession. There was times where I saw they were kind of trying to bounce past it off like Phil or Cole back into the full-backs and that was a bit nervy at times because... The touch wasn't right, or the so there's gonna there, there's gonna be issues. There'll be times where we concede from playing out from the back, but it's a it's a process, and so I guess we've we've even got to develop the who we've got or bring kind of those those kind of core players in in, in January if we can, because he'll want to improve it at some at some stage. Yeah. So this is the uh, first clean sheet for us since Birmingham mm. away. That's on the that, um, that August or September. Oh, September, no. I've actually, I've, for some reason, I've written down twenty second of November, which isn't true because twenty second of September. That's it. There you go. Twenty second of September. Fifteen goals conceded since. Uh, one of those goals obviously has come under Marty's watch, but in the intermediate in in the games since Birmingham, we've conceded goals at a rate of two point one four. That's our average per game. Yeah, yeah. You know. it, was, it was like three, four, a couple of twos, and then a one at Leeds, yeah. So, I know it's only Bristol City, 
and I don't think they particularly offered much attacking wise, but it is a positive at least that we have managed to pick up our second clean sheet of the season. Oh no, of course, of course. I mean they are top half, so um yeah, no, it's a it's a good result. I mean they they didn't offer loads, but they had their few chances. Um I think I'm pretty sure because obviously like, they were under Liam Manning, weren't they? So I'm yeah. pretty sure he said he said they'd only worked without possession stuff rather than in possession. So I, I think that you know what, seeing as you as soon as you said that, that makes a lot of sense. Does it? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They were tidy, but like like I said, sort of like in possession. Just yeah, I think there well, wasn't he, much. He came, in, he came in what probably a similar time to Sifuentes in in that middle of the week. So there's only so much you can do with the side, and I think probably shoring them up was the better option. So I guess. From both perspectives, it was a good, uh, good clean sheet. But um, yeah, that doesn't doesn't surprise me too much that they weren't they weren't like strong in uh, in possession. And lastly, just before we wrap up for today, um, I was thinking about kind of like the overall performance as soon as we left the game, and I, I kind of thought that that was a decent performance. It wasn't perfect, and people all have their grumbles about it because it's kind of like you know, old Dykes was crap or whatever, or like we didn't score a goal. But, you know, there's evidence there that we're moving in the right direction. However, it won't escape many people's thoughts that we are in a relegation battle, regardless of playing nice football over two counts of 90 minutes. So Fuentes will do well here for as long as the memory of Ainsworth kind of lingers. And as as soon as people kind of start to forget what it was like watching... Ainsworth's games, it will start to get harder, especially if we don't start picking up wins. So, you know, how quickly do we need that first win under Sifuentes? Well, the quicker the better would be the obvious answer. Um, I don't know. I, I'm 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 probably different to most in the sense that I'm I'd be happy with just the performances at the minute improving. I mean, you want results, and I'm not saying I don't want results, but Performances breed results. So if over the shorter term we can get consistent performances where we're competitive in games, you know, we're staying in them for the large parts, maybe we're dominating them, I don't know, something like that that can maybe get us results over time. I'm I'm happy with that more so in the short term because um, then it gives us a bit of consistency because we haven't had consistency all season. Um, but, yeah, I think probably we'll want a win in the next well, definitely in the next three to five games if possible. Um, We're just looking at the next two to round off uh, November. We've got Norwich away and then we've got Stoke at home uh, on the Tuesday 28th. So that's just following the Norwich game. Norwich is Nor- a team that we never win at. So it'd be, be lovely if uh, Marty could buck the trend there. And, you know, Stoke at home on a Tuesday night they're also a team I'd say that aren't sort of like in the best form. So, you know, I would be looking to target those, one of those games for a win, probably more the Stoke game would be happy with a draw away at Norwich, uh, even though they're not playing brilliantly. Yeah, no, no, I would. Yeah. I can see, I can see, yeah, I, I can see Tuesday that the only thing in the Stoke game is I can see us having a lot of the ball as we, as we would under him. Alex Nil kind of setting up out of possession, focusing on that, and then 
they go and hit us on the counter. That's the only that is the only other like downside. But yeah, I mean, uh, every game without using the cliche is is tough in this division. Um, you look at the next five, and even with Preston and Plymouth, Ply- Plymouth for a decent side. Um, they're doing well this season. A whole hull of playoff contenders in my eyes. So, I mean, there's opportunities, of course, there is in the Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I think I can see more hope under Sifuentes where it doesn't really matter who the team is. We can still pick up wins and points. Whereas it felt under Ainsworth, there were only certain games where we kind of kind of get something that made sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, that is it for this week's podcast. Um, QPR moving forward, hopefully, at the very least. All we need now is a couple of goals and a couple of wins to really cheer us up. But uh, it, that, yeah, what more can we say about QPR at the moment? Very quickly, Dan, yes or no? We've got a minute left on this recording. Uh, are you going to be watching the England game this evening? Probably not, no. No, I've watched enough football this week. Fair enough. Thank you, Dan, for coming on and talking through Bristol City with myself. Uh, We'll be back after the international break to talk about that Norwich game. Until next time, come on you ours.